Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Fit Literate. Thank you for tuning in and listening. I'm Carolyn. And I'm Laura. And today we're talking about sports. Look at that. Sports. We're putting the pod in sport mode. And we are getting (laughs) goaded with the sauce. (laughs) Secure your bevs. Lock in those headphones. Yeah, we're we're talking about sports in honor of um, the Super Bowl. We figured we'd talk about football and specifically in honor of so many things, Carolyn. In honor of the Super Bowl. Oh my god! In honor of a uh, retirement of a very long career. In honor of both of our trauma from growing up in suburban Massachusetts. In honor of. Um, 80 for Brady, which I can only assume is going to be the film of this decade because, you know, you put Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, Rita Moreno, and Sally Field in a room and like, I will watch 12 hours of whatever that's going to be. Uh, Yeah. So we're feeling very topical and a little bit smug about it, but I do think that that will be undercut by us, one, not knowing a whole lot about sports, and two, probably revealing too much about ourselves. It's just a couple of mass holes. Yeah, this is... (laughs) This is going to be a goofy one. And I think the more we both did research, the more we realized how actually excited we are for this topic. Um, And basically, the topic, in a nutshell, is Tom Brady and the TB12 method, which if you are a Patriots fan or you are from anywhere in New England, you have definitely heard of the TB12 method. If you are... If you have a dad... (laughs) If you have a dad, if you have a white father, you've heard of the TB12 method. Or older brother or yeah. uncle or coworker. Overly enthusiastic um, boss. Yeah. I mean, TB, T, the TB12 method is interesting and we will get into it. And yeah, he spent the last couple seasons with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which was interesting being local in Florida. He followed and you. a lifelong Patriots fan. I know. I know. I did it first. I set the trend. Uh, Brady and Gronk followed me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's get into it because we've been chatting for like so long uh, before we even started recording. Laura, tell us a little bit about our man, the goat, the retiree, <laughs> Tom Brady. All right. Well, I, I, we're not going to get too into the sports figures lest you think you turned tuned into the wrong podcast, but uh, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr., which is the most Boston Irish Catholic name I've ever heard. Um, yes, yeah. it is. He just retired this year, February 1st, 2023. Very soon, very recently when we're recording this podcast, slightly less recently when you'll be listening to it. Um, but he, at 45 years old now, has retired as what pretty much everyone would agree is the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, He played in the NFL for 23 seasons, which is just an absurdly long career. The longest anyone was ever playing. Oh gosh, I should have written the guy's name down, but he retired at 48. So Brady got really, really close to breaking that record. He spent most of his time with the New England Patriots, 20 seasons with the Patriots. Uh, He's referred to as a central contributor to the franchise's dynasty. Um, And then in 2020, (laughs) he moved over to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where he 
won one last Super Bowl. He is the only person with seven Super Bowl rings. Uh, he breaks even, there's no team with seven Super Bowl rings. The Pats and the Steelers are tied for six each. Um, but he moved to the Buccaneers. He won one more Super Bowl. And now he has at last announced a long uh, long teased retirement, shall we say? Long anticipated. Yeah. Yes. Um, he grew up in California. He was actually a Joe Montana 49ers fan, which, as a person who has recently left New England Patriots indoctrination and become a 49ers fan, really a name only, I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you follow Jimmy Garoppolo wherever he goes. Anyways, um, he was a big Joe Montana fan. He grew up playing football, baseball, and basketball. He was pretty talented at all three. But football, uh, I think from what I can tell, he chose to go with football because it was just the one he liked the most when it came time to make a decision for college. He attended the University of Michigan. Uh, he racked up some accolades while he was there. But in 1995, he was drafted by the Patriots in the sixth round of the draft. He was the 199th overall pick. Uh, so he's he's earned the reputation of being the biggest draft steal of all time, which is kind of fun. It, I think it's a pretty cool origin story. I've got to say like that. That's like the one part of his his whole like career story that I actually think is like the most impressive, I guess yeah. that he was such a, an underdog almost. And then he went on to have this like absolutely incredible career. I'm like, wow, that is, that's a very cool story. It really is. And I think that Carolyn and I were talking about sort of the juxtapositions, the multitudes contained by Tom Brady, uh, right before we hopped on to record. And I think part of what has led to his sort of, mythic success is that he maybe not intentionally but has found ways to be painted as sort of an underdog even while having such a completely domineering career like even while pretty much completely dominating mm -hmm. the sport he was the last draft pick and then he was had a long time at the top of the charts, but then for a while he was the old guy, but he was still winning. You know, he's found ways to sort of coach the team <laughs> from the inside and not be like the flashy guy. Like, I don't know. You talk to, again, any any sports fan from Boston about the legend of Brady, like they're going to find a way to make him sound like an improbable success rather than someone who was like really set up to have an incredible career. Mm -hmm. Anyways, um, let's see. The list and the list and the list of accolades is long, but some of the most impressive ones is that he uh, was the first unanimous NFL MVP. Um, he was the only Super Bowl MVP for two different franchises, for the Patriots and the Buccaneers. He has like every single quarterback record, most career passing yards, most completions, touchdown passes, game started. Um, he has a win to loss record of 286 to 93 as a starter in regular season and playoffs. Wow. That's wild. That's like three to one. Um, <laughs> right. That's, oh and God. he also has some impressive uh, stats about, 
being like a starting quarterback across three decades and being named to he's the only NFL quarterback to ever be named to two all decade teams in the aughts and in the 2010s. Um, He was unanimously named to the hundredth anniversary all time team in 2019. It's impressive. It's it's this is the stat that I thought was maybe the most impressive and the most like mind blowing to me is that only one time in his career has Tom Brady lost three games in a row. Wow. There was a four game losing streak in 2002 when he was playing with the Pats. They lost four games in a row, but and that, that was only the his only second time. season with them. Um, no, 1995. He was, he, no, 1995, he went to college. 1999. So third season. Third yeah. season. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That's the only time he's ever lost more than two games in a row. Wow. Isn't that wild? That's, yeah, that's incredible. Damn. Well, yeah. all right then. The man, um, the myth, the legend. Yeah. And for what it's worth, the uh, contract that he signed with the Buccaneers in 2020 was for $15 million a year. <laughs> Woo! Worth noting that I think Brady's career also stands out because of how easily he's been able to cross into sort of the public consciousness. I think that happens to very few sports stars, um, especially who play like team games, team sports. Um, but Brady certainly captivated the nation or at least Massachusetts. Uh, he's done things like he's hosted SNL. He's been a character on Family Guy. As we mentioned, the future critically acclaimed film 80 for Brady, which has recently been released in theaters. Um, I can't wait to see it. Honestly, <laughs> we should we should both go see like a matinee and just Facetime through it. As I that would be so I feel cute. like that would probably be a safe bet for not annoying anyone else in the theater. Um, let's see. He's been notably tied to models uh, Bridget Moynihan, who he has a child with, and then most notably uh, Giselle Bunchen. He was married to for 13 years. They recently announced the finalization of their divorce in October of 2022. Um, they have two children together. Let me double check my work on that. They have pausing, 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 pausing. Do, 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 do. Where was that? I don't know where that came up. Three, two, one. Yes, they have two children together, Benjamin and Vivian. Um, worth noting that Giselle Bündchen's net worth is about double uh, Tom Brady's, about $400 million. Um, If you don't know who that is, she is a very famous Victoria's Secret model who's been active for like the better part of 30 years. She has a similar... Uh, unusually long career to Brady's, I would say. They are sort of the mm -hmm. equivalent uh, figures in their respective careers. Um, Brady now has an activewear line, the Brady brand. He's done a lot of work with um, charities. He's sort of entered the news cycle for uh, affiliations with Trump, which is sort of speculated that 
his affiliation with Trump is uh, was a sticking point in his late marriage. Um, but most notably, the way that Brady has branched out into, let's say, the lifestyle cycle is through his, as quoted on Wikipedia, controversial strict diet uh, named the TB12 method, which he sort of broadly claims is the secret behind the longevity of his career and his success. And it's something he sort of spreads the good word of via the TB12 YouTube channel, which has 20-something thousand followers, and his TikTok and Instagram platforms, which Instagram, he's got 13.5 million, and TikTok, he's got like just under 5 million. So he will theoretically remain a celebrity in his own right as a lifestyle brand for the foreseeable future. And if you haven't guessed... That's what we're here to talk about, because. <laughs> yes. So we are primarily going to be talking about the TB12 method, as well as the man that is truly responsible for it. Um, not Tom Brady, but his quote unquote body coach, Alex Guerrero. So, Laura, before I jump into the meat of this. What do you know about the TB12 method? And do you know anything about body coach Alex Guerrero? I know next to nothing about Alex Guerrero. I was guessing that he didn't just come up with this on his own because he is a person who is very deferential to the coaches he's had throughout his life. Um, Mm -hmm. I know he's big into like a semi-plant-based lifestyle. I know there's a sort of pseudo-spiritual element. I think he doesn't eat tomatoes. And Mm -hmm. that's about it. I know there's like a big center in Fox, bro, I think. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So it sounds like most of what you have heard has been sort of the like dietary side of the TB12 method. Yeah, pretty much. It seems to go hand in hand with the tabloid headlines that are like, Tom Brady kisses his son on the mouth and gets hair plugs. Like (laughs) that's about the level of quality information I'm getting about this. Or just, again, yeah. older white men in passing in my life being like, oh, I, that's not what Brady eats. So, you know, I got I got to think about that. So, Ooh, yeah. And I mean, we know that the like the the parts of the media that like to report on trends and scandals and, uh, you know, salacious things also love a wacky, restrictive uh, diet. <laughs> it's and true. The details of that. And they also love to reverse engineer success by being like, well, Brady does things differently. And that's why his career has been different. It's the same as like, we love when actors were discovered like on the street or at the mall. That's not usually yes. how actors make careers. But it's this confirmation <laughs> bias that we love of like, oh, that's how that person got famous. So that's what I need to do to get famous versus being like people get famous all, all different ways. Like exactly really successful athletes eat all kinds of different diets, I'm sure. But because Mm -hmm. everyone wants there to be, you know, a magic bullet. Exactly. So that's often what um, gets reported on the most. Um, Even if it's not the full picture of, you know, 
what is going on. And in this case, it is also not the full picture of what is going on. Uh, the dietary and nutritional component is is just one part of the TB12 method. Um, definitely the the most controversial part, which we'll get into. But there's a there's a lot going on. So. I purchased the TB12 method book because it was on sale for $11. Um, and I, I figured, you know. Seems like a, a low, low price to pay for all the secrets. Yeah, of, for of all the, the secrets. Yeah. So it is, um, you know, before it gets to the acknowledgments and the uh, the index, Um, It's a 305-page book. There are a lot of pictures in it, and it's definitely not a dense text. The way it's laid out almost kind of looks like a textbook in some ways. Like It looks similar to like personal training textbooks that I have um, studied from in the past. There will be, you know, pictures and diagrams and, uh, you know, relevant little boxes with aside information. So, but while it looks like a textbook, it definitely does not read like a textbook, which again, we'll get into, but let's start from the beginning. What is the TB12 method and what does it purport to do? So essentially the TB12 method is Tom Brady's secret to a long athletic career, which as we've discussed is one of the most uh, kind of impressive and notable and admirable, admirable things about Tom Brady is the fact that he's been able to have this extremely long career in a sport that is notorious for being extremely hard on the body um, and where most people do not have long lasting careers because the toll that it takes on the physical body, just, you know, injuries stack up, uh, concussions stack up, and eventually you just can't play at that elite level that is necessary to be competitive in the NFL. You mean bashing your skull into the ground isn't like a sustainable fitness option? That's crazy. <laughs> no, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking Whoa. modern day blood sports here. <laughs> like this is... <laughs> Our gladiator fights yeah. of the modern age. I think this is going to um, shine is, through. I've got some gripes with football as just a concept, but I'll try to bite I, my tongue oh, on that. Yes, I I gotta say I <laughs> I have deep and vast moral and ethical objections to the sport of American football. From an entertainment standpoint, I also am a football fan. So this is an area of my life where I uh, practice a lot of, uh, you know, holding two realities at once. The dialectic is strong here. You can but, take uh, multitudes, I Carolyn, just like <laughs> I can Tom take Brady. multitudes. Yeah. yeah. Um, You're exactly. just, I am like, just Tom like Tom Brady. Brady. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, the TB12 method is essentially the practices that Tom Brady um, gives credit to his ability to last so long in such a tough job. Um, the goal, the main goal of the TB12 method for anyone who participates in it is essentially to prevent injury and speed up injury recovery so that as, as he puts it, you can participate in the things that you love to do at for like as well as possible for as long as possible, which I actually don't think is a very 
terrible goal to have. I think for a lot of people, that is a reason that they participate in any type of like self-care practice. Lots of people have the goal of wanting to be able to keep their mind and body in a state where they are able to participate in life the way that they want to for as long as possible, doing the things that they love to do. And that's what Tom Brady claims this method is will allow you to do, essentially. And he's coming at it from the perspective of a professional athlete, where the thing that he loves to do is play American football. <laughs> so the, the thing about the TB12 method is that I would call it more of a training and recovery philosophy more than I would call it a science or a, a protocol or anything oh, no. that is uh, based in research. <laughs> um, it, and, and so, yeah, like I said, I would call it more of a philosophy. And so the, the kind of overview of this philosophy is that Traditional strength and conditioning practices that are um, seen in professional athletics, while important and have their place, are not the total picture that is necessary in order to prevent injury and recover from injury in order to, you know, continue to compete at an elite level. That while strength and conditioning, you know, have their place, there is a missing piece. And the missing piece, according to Brady and his body coach, Alex Guerrero, is something that they call pliability. Pliability is the crux of the TB12 method. I wish that I had gotten like an ebook version of this so that I could search for and count up how many times the word pliability shows up in this book. It is, you know, at least five or six times on every single page. So pliability is the name of the game. Now, what exactly is pliability? That is also my question. At the end of reading <laughs> this book. reading the book. <laughs> All the way through. Mm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. After reading this book, I am left with two primary questions. What and why? Uh, the what is, what exactly are you talking about? And the why is, why do you know this? And why is it important? Mm. <laughs> and these questions apply to a lot of the things said in this book. Um, but we'll start with the definition of pliability, which is never spelled out in certain terms. Like when you're reading a textbook or something, let's say like an anatomy textbook, if there is a word that is really important um, that's going to be used multiple times throughout the book or throughout a chapter, usually there's going to be a sentence that tells you the exact definition of the word. It might be bolded or italicized to emphasize it. That never happens. So the definition I'm going to give you is kind of the what I gathered through reading I will the book. say I'm sort of weirdly impressed that the book doesn't start with Merriam-Webster defines pliability as, because that kind of seems like the vibe. Well, because Merriam-Webster defines pliability as nothing that has to do with muscles or athletic training mm. or injuries incurred from football. This is, <laughs> this is a term that is created and coined by Guerrero and Brady. This is their terminology that they invented for the TB12 mm. method. So... 
from what I was able to gather, pliability is essentially, I can't, I, I, I hate that I'm about to say this because I feel like it ruins my credibility to you say this sentence. You can do it, Carolyn. I believe in you. Pli- pliability is keeping your muscles, quote, long, soft, and prime. No, no, it does not say that. Oh, oh, it says that so many times. He's always emphasizing (laughs) how the pliability work uh, is important for keeping long, soft and primed muscles (laughs) that, um, you know, throughout a person's life, uh, you know, pliability decreases and the muscles become more dense um, and shorter um, and that like most uh, football players early in their career aren't really thinking about these kinds of things because they're younger and they're more pliable naturally. Um, And so he has to work really hard as an older athlete to maintain that pliability in order to keep his muscles long, soft. Well, I think that we found our episode title. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Jinkies. Oh my God. Yeah. So what does pliability work look like? Like, what does it look like to train pliability? Because if you think of other, it seems like they're talking about pliability as if it's another like aspect of physical Mm. fitness, like strength is an aspect of physical fitness and you can increase muscular strength by doing resistance training with free weights, with body weight, with resistance bands, um, applying force to the muscles that makes them get stronger or flexibility is an aspect of physical fitness. And the way you train flexibility is with stretching, right? So with every, uh, like concept, there's also like a mode of application there. And in this case, uh, you train pliability with something he calls deep force muscle work, which is, essentially a massage like practice. Um, I'm, I'm reading off my notes here cause I want to make sure I get this right. Yeah. So it's massage like body work paired with repetitive muscle contraction. Um, okay. he emphasizes that it's really important that the massage, like the massage strokes are uh, very intense pressure, um, a couple times he brings up that there was a study done at the MIT Media Lab, the only study mentioned in the entire sure. book, by the way. And this study was not measuring the efficacy of deep force muscle work or pliability training or anything like that. They were just measuring like how much force in metric tons is Alex putting on Tom's muscles when he is – so this was him. a study that um, and it was, was you an know, N of one, and that one was the guy who yeah, was writing yeah. the book. They, they were just curious, like, yeah, how how hard is he pressing on you, Tom Brady? <laughs> and the answer was it was pretty fucking hard. He was really pressing. Now I'm imagining Tom Brady as like Giles Corey from The Crucible, and this joke is going to land with like point zero zero three percent of our audience. But the guy who's like more weight, like that's the whole premise of this. <laughs> He like yeah. took Giselle and the kids um, to Salem and he was like, actually, I think if they pressed on me harder, maybe that would be good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I just want to read you um, one of my favorite sentences mm. from the book. This is 
uh, supposedly in Tom Brady's own words, which after reading this, I definitely believe that he wrote most of this book. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) my my note, my little my little sticky, what I wrote on it here, it says uh, fanfic energy. I it feels like I'm reading a Tom Brady fan fiction with this sentence. Okay, are you ready? As he forcefully strokes through each muscle, always towards the heart, while I contract and relax it, Alex is educating that muscle to fire at 100% capacity. Or as we at the TB12 say, at what? Or as we at TB12 say, with 100% muscle pump function. It's very sensual. I I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. Like, I was primed to, like, roast this. And what? You weren't kidding about the fan fiction vibes. Right? Long, soft, and pliable. <laughs> Damn. Okay. That yeah, woke me up. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's this... He brings it up a couple times in the beginning of the book that it's always, you know, stroking towards the heart. Doesn't explain why. I think I figured out the reason later on by connecting the dots, but uh, he never says it. I think it has something to do with lymphatic drainage. But again, he never like says that explicitly. I mean, theoretically, in a 300 page book that you spent $11 on, it would it's not unreasonable to ask the dots to be connected for you, I'd say. That's what I was thinking. Yes. Um, But anyway, this passage also brings up another term that is thrown around quite a bit in this book that seems to be another kind of buzzword phrase at the TB12 method, which is 100% muscle pump function. (laughs) And again, I am left wondering what and why. What does this mean? What is it? And why is it important? And like all of these other kind of scientific sounding buzzwords, I was not able to find the answer because this is something that is not a part of like exercise science literature or athletic training literature. Like there's no sources for this word other than TB12 method content online this is a word that they made up i mean to be and it's like confusing. generous here if he's talking about like if he were concerned with increased increasing stimulus sorry stimulating increased blood flow to the muscles like i see how the concept he's behind really that concerned with that recovery like there's been some like mixed literature lately about the efficacy of things like cold baths that athletes do, where it's like, if you're doing yeah. that too soon after training, when your body's still having an inflammatory response, like that inflammatory response is meant to serve your body. So your body can heal and get stronger. And if you put it in a cold bath, that's not necessarily great. You know, there's, we're backing off of like icing after injuries and stuff like that. So yeah, I see sort of the so it, through line. The but thing with this is that it that. doesn't really have to do with recovery. This phrase has more to do with athletic performance. He's saying that like mm. the pliability like helps him recover from injuries and stress and like the physical trauma of playing football so that he can maintain 100% muscle pump function while he plays. That That's sort of how it's weaved in there and what I think he's getting at is some combination of 
talking about muscle tone. So like how tense the muscles are when they're not being actively contracted, mm-hmm. like the, that he s- finds he gets better performance when his muscles are able to relax more thoroughly at rest. Although muscle tone, which is a scientific word used in research and literature, is never once mentioned in the book. This is me trying to, you know, put on my thinking cap and figure out what they're actually talking about um, in terms of exercise science and kinesiology. Mm. Um So it's like some combination of muscle tone and range of motion that that like he wants his muscles to be able to contract with efficiency so that he can like generate power when he throws and runs and changes position. But uh, again, I'm, I'm left with questions with this because with things like muscle tone or um, like force produced by the muscle. These are things that you can actually measure in a clinical setting. You can, you know, measure the output that your muscles are able to create. You can put like electrodes on the muscles to measure the like electrical currents that are happening. There's stuff that you can actually measure. 100% muscle pump function seems to be more of a subjective term of like, it feels like I'm able to use my muscles with like a hundred percent effort or efficiency, but I don't think this is something that you could actually measure in a clinical setting. And this has the same energy as when they sell like off-brand copies of Disney movies or whatever. So instead at the like $5 bin in Walmart and instead of like Harry Potter, it's like young boy with squiggle head, like, you know what I mean? Like, did, could they yeah. not get the copyrights to these words? Like, I don't think, I don't want to cut you off here too much, but I feel like get a lot of expensive body work done, focus on mobility and like spend more time focusing on recovery as you age is like good advice, but this is nonsense. Well, and that's the thing. Like, he's not wrong, but he's also not saying anything. Yeah. And I think that's because what it comes down to is that this book is more about branding than it is about anything scientific or research-based or anything like Mm. that. Um, Because one important thing to know about this book is that there is not one single reference. (laughs) There is no literature, like, reference section. There, There is absolutely nothing to back up any single claim in this book. Um, And that is upsetting and distressing and confusing to me because they do like a a weird mix of like their own made up bullshit Mm -hmm. words with kind of like established information about anatomy and physiology. Um, And so it's confusing because you'll, you'll hear things about like, ATP is the energy that your cells use to like do stuff. And you're like, okay, yeah, that's true. And then he'll say like daily pliability work helps me maintain 100% muscle pump function. And it's like, oh, okay, sure. Why not Tom Brady? That sounds just as legit as the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell to me because I am just a Tom Brady fan who wants to get swole I don't remember anything that I learned in high school biology. Um, anyway. <laughs> sure, Tom. Let's continue. 
So other other things that are kind of hallmarks of the TB12 method is an emphasis on the brain body connection, which again is like a real thing, but it's not something that they explain with any scientific rigor or with any references to uh, back up what it is that they are exactly saying about the brain body connection. So they're able to make kind of whatever claims they want about it. Uh, he's also very concerned with addressing muscular imbalances, which that's one thing that I think is, you know, thumbs up, especially for athletes that are doing very repetitive movement patterns um, a lot for their sport that can cause muscular imbalances in the body that could eventually lead to pain or injury. And so addressing that in training to have more balanced movement and muscular development, I think is good, but it doesn't really talk about how to do that. Um, he just kind of throws it around, um, because he's not a personal trainer. And so he has no business like instructing people on how to address or diagnose muscular imbalances in their own body. He's just kind of like, this is something we do in the on the Patriots. (laughs) Um, so, okay. So the way that this book is laid out, Like I said, it kind of looks like a textbook, but it does not read like one. I also don't know who edited this because the names of the chapters and stuff don't really make any sense. So chapter one is called What I Used to Believe. And in this chapter, he doesn't say one thing about anything he believes. It's just sort of um, an overview of his childhood, college, and early career. So he talks about basically the same things you talked about, like where he played sports, the different things he played. Whatever. Interesting if you want to know about Tom Brady, the man. Um, Chapter two is what I now believe, which, again, doesn't really talk much about things that he believes. It just talks about him like meeting Alex Guerrero, the different uh, like the other trainers and coaches that he's worked with in the past that have helped him and kind of led to the development of this method. The rest of the book, Mm. I would say, is what talks about what he believes. So those chapters are named interestingly. Um, Chapter three is the principles of TB12, which I figured I would read the principles to you because it's sort of, you know, the heart and soul of like what this what what's actually contained in this method. So I feel like I'm supposed to stand up and put my hand over my heart or something. (laughs) Exactly. The TB12 Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. One, pliability is the missing leg of performance training and the most underutilized and least understood, which I said is sort of the uh, the the main argument of this book. Bold to claim that something's misunderstood when you also don't invest any resources into studying it or even any like modicum of attention. Yeah. And it's also something like, you made up. <laughs> yeah. that Like I had a I had a purple imaginary friend. Her name was Zoob Zoob when I was five. If I turned 25 and I was like, you know, scientists don't really understand Zoob Zoob. Like, yeah, no. She's no really shit. misunderstood. Like, they don't care. What? What a Justice what a, for Zoob Zoob. This, this is like a tiny semantic thing, but what a bizarre thing to claim that you're on yeah. like the cutting edge of science that you're not doing. No, and and that's one thing to know about this book. I, I said this, oh, I think I said this before we actually like officially started recording. R- reading this book in a lot of ways felt like reading a a paper written by like a freshman in high school. Um, like 
someone who has learned a good number of vocabulary words, has a pretty good grasp on sentence structure and like probably if they were explaining it out loud, what they were saying would make more sense, but it's very repetitive. Um, Sometimes the word choice is a little bit confusing. You're right, because it's sort of like technically not wrong, but sending a, a meaning that's not exactly accurate to what I think he's actually trying to say. Um, and I was going to say, it sounds like it reads interview. Like it sounds like they sat down with a tape recorder and they were asking him what he thought. And it was I actually enough that they didn't need to really like dive deeper because much. he's clearly a guy with like a strict protocol and who knows his own body really well and is very like dedicated. But that this works for me does not make good advice nor does it make a scientific protocol i also love the idea that they didn't edit it at all they just kind of like handed it to bill belichick and we're like do you want to read this and he's like it looks fine and then that it went immediately to publishing (laughs) yeah that's my fanfic well one thing and what also surprised me about it is i was expecting this to read more like alex guerrero wrote it and then they just put tom brady's face on the cover it doesn't seem like that at all it really seems like Alex didn't really have much of a part in this book. Like he's a big part in like the method and he's, you know, Tom Brady's personal like body worker. Um, but it, he, his fingerprints aren't really on this book much at all. That's um, fascinating. And, and so then the other component of the way that this is written is that it's also an advertisement because the TB12 method isn't just this book. It's also the training centers that they have in Boston and Foxborough where they treat and train athletes of all different levels. Like even like high school athletes who are recovering from injuries, if their parents are willing to pay for it, will go in and have the, um, the employees there, you know, treat them using the TB12 method. Um, and then there's also, yeah, pump their muscles exactly. Yeah, if they're not um, long and soft enough, you just go. You drive in Boston and you get your muscle pump action on. Yeah, they need to be primed. <laughs> um, and and then there's also the consumer products angle of this, which is that mm-hmm. as we'll get into, TB12 as a company also sells workout equipment, uh, supplements, little prepackaged snacks. Um, Foam rollers, (laughs) Brady merch. Exactly. And so a lot of the descriptions in this book are used to emphasize the importance of those things that they sell and mention them by name and even include pictures of them. So it's also a little bit of like a catalog. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm going to say, do they have like an SKU number that you can like call in? Like a Sears catalog? They don't go quite that far. But like, here's an example of like something that's written here. The TB12 method isn't just a training regimen. I see it as a holistic lifestyle. It's built upon truths and principles that underpin what we do with hundreds of athletes every day at the TB12 performance and recovery centers. But before diving deeper, I want to summarize these principles since they make up the foundation of what we at TB12 believe is the optimal approach to exercise, training, and living a life of vitality. So it's like, yeah, it kind of sounds like a blog post slash advertisement slash Instagram cap Option. Um, it, yeah. Anyway, so the 12 principles of TB12 back on track here. One, pliability is the missing leg of performance training and the most underutilized and least understood. Two, holistic and integrative training. 
<laughs> so not a sentence that time, just a phrase. Um, it, basically that like you can't just focus on one thing. You need to take a holistic approach to performance, wellness, sure. whatever. That that's That's not super controversial. I think most people would agree that nothing is ever just one thing, I guess. Uh, three is balance and moderation in all things. Also not groundbreaking. We've heard that a million times. Four is conditioning for endurance and vitality. So again, he's emphasizing that like conditioning is not unuseful or bad. It's just not the only thing that's important. So we're including it here. We still do conditioning with our athletes. Functional strength and conditioning, which what? what? What's the <laughs> You difference? just said conditioning. So, okay. I don't know how these are different bullet points. Not, actually, but... this should be TB11. <laughs> yeah, right? Five, uh, He's six like, shit, I is... gotta meet the 12. Keep thinking. Keep rearranging the words. Yeah, six is the other main point of TB12, I would say. Like, if pliability is number one, this is number two. And that's promote anti-inflammatory responses in the body. He's big on inflammation and avoiding it. Um, seven is promote oxygen-rich blood flow. Seven, uh, eight is hydration. Nine is healthy nutrition. Ten is supplementation. Eleven is brain exercises. And 12 is brain rest, recentering, and recovery. So kind of reinventing the wheel here. A lot of this is stuff that you would typically read about in any kind of wellness-related book or program. Um, you know, it's this is just the TB12 version of it. So moving along, um, let's talk about some of the other sections in this book. So after he goes into a little bit of more detail about each of those principles, which I don't feel the need to on here, we do a deep dive into pliability, finally. Um, and I mm. was excited for this section because I saw that there were more diagrams. So I thought that maybe we would be getting a little bit more scientific, that maybe all the preamble up to this point was more introduction. And this is where we get into, like, what does this mean? No. Sure. He just rewrites the same paragraphs in slightly different words. It, it's literally like the stuff that he says in this chapter is nothing new compared to what he has already said about pliability in the introduction and the last section that I talked about. This is one of my favorite pictures, diagrams. I'll show this to you, Laura. It looks like something that could be useful, maybe have some scientific information. It, sure. It's a diagram of half of a human body where you can see the muscles, and then there's a zoom in on the muscles. One where it kind of just looks like long strands of brownish pinkish fibers, and it says long, soft, primed muscles. And then there's one that has more squiggly, mm. squiggly lines on it. And it says tight, dense, <laughs> stiff muscles. And that's all. Huh? What and why? <laughs> this, the, I just feel like, again, maybe I'm giving too much benefit of the doubt here, but I'm like, this could have been like a podcast episode. Like, I've, I feel like that's the type of thing someone draws on a whiteboard. 
And usually when you are at a presentation like that, it's someone who is an expert in their field with a huge knowledge base, which again, benefit of the doubt, I would say Brady qualifies as, but that's not what you put in a book. No, that's what you like say to people in a room where you're trying to get them to amalgamate information in their brain. That's not like a source material that you go back to. Yeah, exactly. What? And so, oh, here, here's the passage where it talks about the, uh, the like research study, quote unquote, it says, uh, over several occasions at the MIT media lab, researchers measured the amount of force Alex and I both exerted during a typical pliability session. They found that when Alex uses his hands, he exerts anywhere from 50 to 100 newtons of pressure. Newtons are a unit of force. <laughs> and when he uses his elbows, it goes up to four times that amount. Certain muscles may require 50 newtons, others 400. It depends on the density of the muscle. In response, I make two muscle contractions every second. 400 newtons is the equivalent of 90 pounds of pressure on one muscle at a time. That's pliable. <laughs> and, my, and my little sticky note, I said, is it? I still don't know what that means. <laughs> so is pliability force on a muscle? Like, it, it just... It's... It doesn't make I any feel sense. like they can't even settle on whether it's an adjective or a verb. Like, it seems like he's trying to define pliable as the action of Alex putting pressure on his muscles and him contracting his muscles in response. But you've given us like a, a number. He's given us like a ratio with no, like, data is nothing without context. And yeah. it's just completely devoid of context. Also, again, so what's the answer? Everyone's just supposed to go out and find an Alex to follow them around and well, rub them down? So we do we do get to that. So after many more okay. pages, just waxing on and on about the supposed importance of pliability and interjecting with little anecdotes about his time playing sports and remembering when he was younger versus how he feels when he's older and things that if teammates have said about working with Alex, like it, it all kind of just meanders and doesn't have a real plot to it. And again, just keeps reiterating stuff he's already said in earlier chapters um, finally, we get to um, a, a more, I guess I would say practical chapter. So this is chapter five, training and methods. Starts out with like a multi-page introduction, which again, just says the same things about pliability and muscle pump force and mm. pliability with age. There's a couple of um, diagrams that point out important muscle groups they seem relatively accurate. And then we go into what I would say is the first useful section of this book, um, which is essentially picture and text-based tutorials on how to do foam rolling. Are you serious? <laughs> now, one thing that they All this really emphasize. To lead up to foam rolling? This isn't it. This is me? just the beginning. It, they do go a little bit deeper than this, but this is where it starts. And Ooh. what they really make sure to hammer in is that foam rolling with a regular foam roller, it's fine. It's not bad. It's not going to hurt you. But 
Let me guess. If you buy, <laughs> if you really want to be able to use these tools to your best advantage um, when doing like pliability work on yourself, it needs to vibrate. It must vibrate. You need the vibrating ball and the vibrating foam roller that we sell at TB12. They don't explain why the vibrations are necessary. The one thing that I can maybe kind of connect it to is that when when Tom's talking about being in the pliability sessions with Alex, you know, Alex is doing kind of like the slow, like forceful, like massage strokes. And Tom says that he's like repetitively contracting his muscles, like the same muscle that's being massaged. And so Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if the vibrations are supposed to kind of mimic that repetitive muscle contraction. That's the only parallel that I can see as relevant, but it never explains it. It just says you need the vibrations, guys. Like you need it to vibrate. You need the vibes. Um, That's how you stay long, soft, and primed is that you need the vibrating balls. I don't understand what's so difficult to understand about that. Exactly. <laughs> there, There's pictures. Yeah, there's pictures of people doing the foam rolling and they all look relatively high quality. The descriptions make sense. Um, it was clearly, you know, a trainer on the TB12 team that wrote this part. Um, but this is all information that you can find for free online. Um, there, There's nothing revolutionary about this. It's all pretty basic stuff. And, um, so while I would recommend the techniques that are being described in this section, you, this is nothing new that TB12, uh, created or revolutionized or is promoting in some new way that everybody needs. To me, the vibrations are just a gimmick, um, and they never explain why it's not. So I'm just going to go with it's a gimmick. Um, next they go into self-pliability unassisted. So this has pictures of Tom (laughs) sitting in various positions, massaging his own muscles and making like funny little faces of like, Ooh, (laughs) when he's like really hitting the good spot. Like acting. Okay. Okay. Honestly, there's an earnestness to this that I find so charming. Also, I do want to say, because I think this gets thrown into the mix a lot and we don't have to go too far down this road, but um, there is some, I haven't read like a lot of research on this or anything, but vibration has been used in a lot of different ways, sort of Mm -hmm. over the history of fitness trends. Like I remember there's a whole, you know, chapter subheading in the NASM textbook about how like they train astronauts on vibration plates. And if you can get access to a vibration plate, that's actually a great way to like build yeah. muscle tone, I guess. But they're like, but nobody has these, <laughs> so don't worry about it. And then there was that thing of like in the 50s and 60s, women would go on like those vibrating belts and those vibrating rollers because yeah, like they were vibrate basically supposed the to help fat you, off like, of your body. Weight. Yeah, it, it's bullshit, you know? Yeah, but this is kind of something we've seen. This is something we've seen a lot pop up. And as far as I know, there's no clear, like, this actually helps. It's just sort of a a fancy additive that people are like, well, it feels like it's doing something. And it's like, yeah, because you're And it's like not to say that there isn't some sort of therapeutic effect here. But if there is, they don't explain it in this book. In these 300 pages, they don't, you know, 
go into any research that might exist that would explain why the vibrations are so important. And you would think that that is why people would buy the book because just a description of the product and it's supposed and like how to use it could potentially just be for free on the website where you can buy it. Um, I don't know. I would want the book I buy to be a deeper dive into the why of it all. But maybe that's just me. So, yeah, there's pictures and tutorials of Tom doing the like deep muscle force um, work on himself for pliability. And he says that that is like a, a valid way to do things if you are on your own. But the best way to do it is partner pliability because someone else is going to be able to apply more pressure, um, you know, deeper muscle force. Um, and so then there's a whole section of, mm-hmm. um, that kind of stuff, which honestly, so you really like you can do it alone or with a partner, but the vibration. If is you're the using part, is what you're the saying. tools, yeah. if you're using the ball or the roller, <laughs> the vibration is necessary. If it's mm. body manipulation, like using your uh-huh. own hands or someone else using their hands, then I, I guess you don't need to have the vibes. I'm sorry, Carolyn. No, I'm just being—I'm just being an idiot. I'm—I don't know why I'm so committed to giving this podcast. It's idiotic. Seventeen rating, but it this truly is, just is. All very yeah. funny to me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure some of these, like, I mean, they look basically like massage techniques. Um, they look legit enough. I'm sure they feel nice. Chapter six is resistance band workouts, which are common, especially for people recovering from injuries. Anyone who's been through a round of physical therapy has probably had some experience with resistance band exercises. Um, They, of course, have a page dedicated to the type of resistance bands that they sell. And then they have a bunch of picture and text tutorials of how Mm -hmm. to do, you know, various exercises with the resistance bands. They all look pretty good, pretty useful. But again, nothing revolutionary. I've seen all of these in free content that you know, personal trainers have made online. I'm sure, Laura, you have put most of these movements into free content that you've made online over the last couple of years. Well, that's because I'm a lifelong dedicated supporter of Team <laughs> that's 12. That's true. So. That's true. I forgot about that part. Um, we've got some core stability exercises. Cool. Love it. I'm sure all of these are useful and important for injury recovery. Um, I just like wish that the explanation for why they talk about these things and why they include it incorporated any level of scientific rigor, any reference to relevant studies at all to back up their claims, but it doesn't. What it sounds like to me, Carolyn, mostly because I don't want to force you to go through all of these exercises and mini chapters one by one. And correct me if I'm wrong, I'm definitely operating off some assumption here, but it seems like Brady and his team that work on him personally because he is a player that is, you know, high enough profile that he has his own dedicated team to maybe do things differently than the the rest of his teammates who maybe being coached together. It seems like they took a look at the sort of general coaching protocol, including the methods of training that players tend to utilize, which again, I'm generalizing and I am making assumptions, but football is a pretty high intensity sort of violent sport. 
high impact. (laughs) Yeah, getting into that mindset for training, practicing that mode of operation off field. I'm guessing you're looking at high intensity, high impact training where, again, making assumptions, there's a lot of masculinity shit tied up in this about lifting super heavy and getting big and like Brady always always played a more protected position like mm-hmm. no one's really tackling the quarterback a whole lot he's more removed from the game he's finding pockets to pass the ball and to mm-hmm. look at the field as a greater whole like the it, I'm gonna stop rambling and pretending like I know more about football than I do this whole thing seems reactive it seems like they took a look at the status quo of football training and they were like There's got to be a better way. And so this is a response to that instead of being Mm -hmm. a tried and trusted method that sort of came about organically. It looks like basically what they're saying and everything is you actually don't have to beat your body into the ground. You don't have to focus on just sprinting and maxing out your lifts and pummeling your body. You could actually try a gentler way and maybe experience more like better results on the field. Yeah, Which I like the principle behind that, but there is no valid principle behind that. It's reactionary. And so that that's the thing about this book. It's trying really hard to make Tom Brady's, you know, professional football injury prevention and recovery protocol applicable to like a general population. And I think that that just falls flat because it's just not applicable. Like he, he tries to come across as relatable by talking about things like chronic pain that he experienced early in his career and, and stuff like that. But I just don't know if these techniques, even if they do work well for him and his teammates, I don't know how much these techniques have any kind of applicability to just your average person who is not a professional athlete. And that's what this book is targeted at is gen pop. So it, it, that that's kind of what falls flat for me, especially when it comes to like the training part and the pliability part, they're like trying to make it this new trendy thing, but it's like, do most people need to do this? Like, I don't know, maybe do some actual scientific studies to see if it helps people who have chronic pain from just like lifestyle related injuries before you go saying that like everybody needs to be doing this weird thing that this guy came up with. (laughs) But yeah, or like most people who have chronic pain as a result of like, chronic injury or chronic illness or disability don't have the money to be putting into hours of personalized body work. Yeah. Like I believe that the stuff that they were doing in like the recovery room was helping Tom recover from injuries faster. Like I definitely believe that to be true. I just don't know how much that anecdotal like N of one experience applies to literally anyone else. But Anyway, let's get into the more controversial part of this book, the part that we've been reading about Mm. online that's talked about more in publications about it. So 
he's really obsessed with hydration. Um, I think part of that is because he sells an electrolyte supplement. So he really wants people to be putting that in every ounce of water that they drink. He has a whole section like describing different types of water, tap water, distilled water, spring water. Seems like a weird use of page space to me, but okay. Um, and the, the main thing that I was looking to see if it actually was in this book is, um, a quote of him. I mean, he's, he's just talking. He's just, he's just riffing. He says, when I was growing up and playing outside in the sun, I got sunburned a lot. I was a fair skinned Irish boy after all. These days, even if I get an adequate amount of sun, I won't get a sunburn, which I credit to the amount of water I drink. I always hydrated afterward, Whoa. too, to keep my skin from peeling. When I once told that to my sister, she said, you mean I don't have to use all those moisturizers and facial products to keep my skin looking good? I should just drink as much water as you do? I think you should market your TB12 electrolytes as a beauty product. I just laughed. So interjected in all of this, like, quote unquote, information is him just literally like reminiscing on stories from his life about how much how much he hydrated. And now he doesn't get sunburnt anymore. Um, so that that is Fellas, a passage in the book. Is it gay to wear sunscreen? You could just <laughs> drink Brady juice instead. It's it's not gay. It's inflammatory. The chemicals in okay. the sunscreen okay. are inflammatory. And so that's the other thing. Okay. That's where we're going to get into the dietary portion now. And this is my least favorite part of the book, because this is where I think he's actually starting to really get out of his depth in terms of giving advice and talk about things that certainly don't apply to the general population. And your average person trying to follow this advice might actually cause them a lot of harm. So a little bit mm -hmm. of context. Tom Brady has millions of dollars his uh whole 250 life 250 million of them yeah his whole life you know when he was writing this book is dedicated to being an elite athlete um he doesn't have a day job on top of playing football that is his job he has professional trainers and nutritionists and doctors well actually alex guerrero is you know the trainer nutritionist in question. He also has a professional chef who cooks all of his meals and does all of the food shopping. So he can get away with a very restrictive diet easily fitting into his lifestyle because he's not having to make all the decisions about what he eats and stick to it. His life is very controlled in, in a way that almost no one else's is. So he is a rich, famous person who has access to resources that make restrictive eating patterns easy to follow in a way that isn't as mentally disordered. Does that make sense the way that I described that? Yeah, I think you did a great job of describing that. Okay. So I say all of that because he's recommending that people eat in a way that is very impossible <laughs> for most people. And with no solid evidence or explanation of why he's making these recommendations, it seems like restriction and rules just for the sake of it. And a lot of these are things we've heard before. Almost none of this is going to be anything new to people who have, you know, been in diet culture for any length of time. So first, he's like, only eat organic and local if you can for produce. He says this is important 
for eating an anti-inflammatory diet. He doesn't explain at all how like not like conventional produce or non-local produce is inherently more inflammatory. Um, so this seems like it's kind of coming from like the, he talks about like real food. So like the Michael Pollan real food movement throws out a lot of buzzwords, says a lot of just like flowery things, but none of it is an actual reason that connects inflammation or athletic performance to why organic and non-GMO is somehow important. Cause he also mentions that. Okay. Recommendations, eat lots of vegetables. Sure. He mentions local again, even though he already talked about that. He says eating seasonally is important. And while I think that can be a nice aspiration for some people, it can be nice maybe for economic reasons or environmental reasons to eat seasonally. He seems to claim that this has anything to do with inflammation and athletic performance, but doesn't really explain why. So now you're just restricting people's access to food even more by saying like you need to eat in-season produce, even if they may not have access to that at their local grocery store. Um, He talks a little bit about fiber, fatty acids, cool, eating a variety of foods. Um, One thing that I do like about this section is that Well, actually, I'll get into it. So now he talks about foods to limit. He says to like avoid all refined carbohydrates and sugar. He doesn't give a good definition of what a refined carbohydrate actually is. Um, He says to avoid unhealthy fats. Same thing. He doesn't really give a good definition of what an unhealthy fat is, just that it's really important you avoid them. He says that if you are going to eat dairy, it should be organic and grass-fed. And he says to limit salt and limit processed foods. Now, this raises questions for me because electrolyte powder, mostly sodium, um, his whey protein doesn't say anything about being sourced from like organic or like local cow's milk. So that seems a little bit confusing and hypocritical to me if your dietary recommendations don't match up with the supplements that you recommend. Red flags. Um, He says to limit caffeine and alcohol, which like if inflammation is something you're concerned about, alcohol especially absolutely is pro-inflammatory, but he doesn't give any references for that. So that is one of those things that like, oh, this one's true, but how would I know? (laughs) Um, And then he gets into supplements, which is all just ads for his supplements. He recommends the ones that he sells, of course. And then there's some recipes, which some of them look all right. And then, but they all start with TB12. Like the name is always TB12, fresh cod with salsa verde. TB12, caramelized broccoli with smoky Romanesco sauce or Romesco sauce. Uh, Very funny. And then we conclude with some stuff about like, brain health and sleep, nothing new, nothing revolutionary. But then the last thing in here, I was like, what the hell is this? It's um something called like functional apparel and sleepwear. And this is something I had never heard of before. Uh, you're muted. The Brady brand. The Brady brand, maybe. He says that he wears these special pajamas to bed that are like the fabric is infused with something called bioceramics that emit far infrared radiation. And I was like, no way is any of this real. This stuff 
actually is like the one thing in the book that he didn't make up <laughs> there. I That's don't amazing. really know anything about it. I just did a very cursory uh, search on PubMed, but these are actual things that exist and are researched. I don't know about the efficacy of it. Like okay. I don't know if infusing threads with bioceramics actually does anything for workout recovery, sure. but far infrared radiation is a real thing. And these kinds of clothes are something that lots of companies are making manufacturing so that's something of that all of the I, wacky shit <laughs> that's interesting the only thing that i would again not to introduce more skepticism into this i think we have plenty of skepticism but i have heard some stuff about like red light therapy and like radiation therapy where that is useful but the technologies that are available for applying it at home like those scary face masks you see people putting in their skin yes. routines those don't actually you know <laughs> there's no established efficacy for anything that's actually like affordable and accessible it's like yeah if you go into a lab and they'll do it to you then that helps but Mm hmm. Like so. maybe thousands of dollars for an infrared sauna m might be useful, but like the little gadgets and gizmos that are like a couple hundred aren't really going to do anything. Yeah. So add it, throwing in another grain of salt. I know he wants us to avoid that, but. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. no, no. But I was just surprised that like that was almost the wackiest sounding thing to me in the whole book. And somehow that was the one that actually maybe has some scientific yeah. merit to it. I just thought that that was hilarious. <laughs> oh, OK. So I I want to finish up with just talking about Mr. Alex Guerrero a little bit. Oh, 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 wait. There's one more dietary claim that's in a lot of um, news articles about this, which is that Tom Brady does not eat nightshade vegetables, mm. again, for inflammation reasons, whatever. Um, so that's tomatoes, mushrooms, and potatoes, I think. That is not in the book. Oh. Even the like the recipes and the the lists and stuff like he is not recommending that people avoid nightshade vegetables as a part of the TB12 method. That tidbit came from an interview with his private chef who mm. was describing the types of foods that he cooks for the Brady family. So that's what that was. So Tom Brady personally at least at the time of that interview was not eating nightshade vegetables regularly. Um but it doesn't look like that is a recommendation that is officially a part of the TB12 method as it is written in this book. The other thing that I wanted to mention about this book that I was pleasantly surprised by is that it's not a typical diet book. It okay. doesn't say anything about weight loss or management. Like the hmm. O word was not mentioned once. The closest thing to it is when he talks about like, the concept of moderation of mm -hmm. like not overeating at meals. But then he follows that up by, by saying that like snacks are important. And if you find yourself getting hungry between meals, like eating snacks is a good thing. I would also think that again, making assumptions about the football world, like I, we briefly, briefly touched on, you know, men's experience with, uh, pressure from in regards to body image and potentially disordered behaviors that come out mm -hmm. of that. Obviously, neither of us are experts on that. But I would guess in maybe the football world where these guys are expected to sort of look like Marvel athletes, 
there is a culture of like drinking mass gainers and just pummeling like as much food as you possibly can before a game and again assumption but from sort of like casual culture I think even outside of the beauty standards and like diet culture of it all you just can't be an elite athlete for over 20 years if you're under eating like your body just won't be able to perform and so since he is so like he is like biohacking for ultimate performance and so calorie restriction can't be a part of that it it just can't be so like he's not coming to this from a mindset where calorie restriction is even something that he thinks about um so I was really happy to see that even though he was trying to make this applicable to the general population he didn't go down the very easy path of making it a weight loss diet book like it it really does stay true to its uh purported intent Mm -hmm. that it is about athletic performance um injury prevention and recovery how accurate any of the information is like who's to say because there's no references and there's no research but uh it it isn't like a wolf in sheep's clothing in that way like I uh, other than the like kind of more orthorexic dietary restrictions that come from like a fear of inflammation none of it has to do it like there there's really no like anti-fatness in the book which I found pleasantly surprising which Again, as you said, like, we have our gripes about restrictive diets or diets that really heavily preach moderation, which is often a, a buzzword that just means restriction, um, because we work with the general population. For someone who has unlimited resources and has the people to hands-on work on his body multiple hours a day and hand him meals that are perfectly cooked to those specifications. Like being on something like a restrictive diet is going to mess with your head a lot less because it is easy. You're not having to battle evolutionary imperatives to go eat like calorically dense things when you're starving. Like if you have easy Mm -hmm. access to food that is exactly tailored to whatever rules you've made up in your head then that's going to be psychologically a lot easier to maintain. 99.9% of us yeah. don't have that. So it's going to wreak havoc on you. But yeah. in terms of like this being harmful. <sighs> yeah. And he even does mention that like his personal experience with this is like, he's only eating in that most regimented way, like during the football season mm. and in the off season, when um, peak performance is not the top priority, he does have wiggle room. And so it really seems like sticking to these like dietary restrictions, like it's a part of his job as a professional athlete. And uh, as a part of that, like he has other professionals that are like on his team to make it easy for him to do that. Um, And then when it's not necessary, he's he's not as strict about it. So I, I, again, I was pleasantly surprised by like for as like unnecessarily restrictive as it is, it could have been a lot worse with the way it was described. Like there was no mention of like the obesity epidemic or anything like that. Um, so that was good, but let's, let's uh, wrap this up with one, one more little tangent here. Oh boy. Because I want to talk about, I want to talk about Alex Guerrero. <laughs> 
because he is quite the character. And honestly, he's like the phantom of the opera to Tom Brady's Christine Daae. (laughs) Yeah. So, so Alex Guerrero, his official title working with Tom Brady and TB12 is body coach, which is one of the weirdest sounding coach titles I've ever heard. I don't like saying it personally. Um, He professionally got his education in traditional Chinese medicine from the Samra University in Los Angeles, which actually closed in 2010, not because of any kind of scandal, but just because like California state funding for like there there was some statewide policy change that happened and the university could no longer run they didn't have enough money anymore so they closed but it sounds like it was just like a normal like traditional chinese medicine school which i'm not here to say anything about the uh efficacy of traditional chinese medicine because i know absolutely nothing about it i know that it is considered an alternative medicine in the united states i also know that it is fairly heavily researched and there's lots of aspects of it including acupuncture and herbalism that have been kind of more incorporated into the mainstream healthcare institutions honestly um, see because there have been lots of seeing anyone in this field go to school of any kind before they write a book about it is like passing with flying colors yeah so that that's his that's his educational background now career wise he's been a grifter for a long time (laughs) um he got into the supplement sales business very early on and of course in lovely and shady ways. So, but, but before he started doing that, he wrote a book, he wrote a book in 2004, which now I'm kind of wishing like I had gotten this one too and read it. Um, but it's basically a book about, it's like the alkaline diet. It's like pH balancing diet, which we won't get into that right now. That has been debunked so many times. Your body, Your body has very pH. tightly regulated, <laughs> Yeah, pH balancing mechanisms and the foods that you eat cannot change the pH balance of your body. So that is kind of at the heart of what a lot of his nutritional recommendations are. Um, Tom talks about pH balance a couple times in the book, but again, doesn't really explain it in any kind of detail or talk about really why it's important other than just inflammation, pH and that's the extent of it. Um, but that's Alex Guerrero's big thing. He, he, you know, wrote this book called Under, uh, Balance for Life, Understanding and Maximizing Your Body's pH Factor. And uh, a part of it was also a 14-day diet plan to quickstart your journey to vibrant vitality. Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> mm. So that, that's what he was doing in 2004. And at this point, I think he was already starting to work with athletes. Like he got into injury treatment with athletes pretty early on. Um, In 2005, he started to get into some trouble with the Federal Trade Commission for falsely representing himself as a doctor and claiming to be able to cure cancer, AIDS, multiple sclerosis, diabetes, arthritis, and Parkinson's disease using a dietary supplement called, ready for this? Supreme Greens. It was a fucking green supplement. Oh. 
So Tom Brady, come get your man. He's getting in trouble. Um, the, yeah, these were not the bloom girly striking again. I know. It goes so, all the way to the top. It goes all the way to the top. <laughs> so these claims were made in infomercials um, on TV. And yeah, he got in trouble because obviously a greens powder can't cure cancer or AIDS. What the fuck? Sorry, pardon my French, but like, oh my God. I love when you speak French. What, (laughs) what the fuck, dude? What is wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, From his Wikipedia page, the FTC fined him and barred him for life from ever again, presenting himself as a doctor or ever again marketing Supreme Greens or any other substantially sub- similar product as an effective treatment for disease. So, yeah, to be very clear, that is not something they teach in Chinese medicine. No, absolutely like- not. Um, uh, I love this. So, uh, Barry. Castleth, the founder of the Integrative Medicine Service at the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. So integrative medicine is usually kind of like it integrates traditional Western, like typical Western um, medicine with like alternative practices. So literally an alternative medicine guy um, helped uh, with the FTC inve- investigation and referred to Guerrero's practices as just out and out quackery. <laughs> oh, Barry, female, that. female. Um, yeah, she said the major danger of such use- useless treatments is that they may delay patients from seeking proper evidence-based medical care. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So then later on, he was not done. He founded um, Six Degree Nutrition and, you know, another supplement company. And their main thing was a product called NeuroSafe. And this was highly integrated with his work with the NFL. Brady and other Patriots players um, talk about uh, how it has all of these benefits for, uh, you know, preventing brain damage, uh, you know, I guess from concussions and sports-related traumatic brain injury. And yeah, heavily endorsed by NFL players, including Wes Welker, who was my dad's favorite shout out. Mm. Um, but yeah, and and Brady was also big on NeuroSafe. But then in 2012, the FTC intervened again, reaching a settlement with Guerrero that resulted in the closure of Six Degree Nutrition and the cessation of marketing of the product. <laughs> So, so what um, I'm hearing here is that this is kind of why he's behind the scenes on this and not yes. the name and face of what's theoretically because, his method. Yeah, because he is, you know, widely in his own industry. He's seen as a charlatan and a scammer. Yeah. So then also the Boston Globe reported that he had, quote, a long history of financial troubles, bankruptcies and legal entanglements, and that he was sued twice Mm. for allegedly defrauding investors in his health product business enterprises of hundreds of thousands of dollars in investment funds. (laughs) And this is all happening while he is working with Tom Brady. Um, So like, yeah, it's you know, I, I really, really have resisted in this episode being like, huh, white guys, am I right? Because mostly I don't think that's applicable here. And the more I've learned about Tom Brady, aside from like the Trump stuff, the more he seems like a normal, nice yeah. person. But 
the you know that like quote that goes around Twitter every so often that's like you should have the audacity of a mediocre white yeah. man. <laughs> like I feel like when you have to be sued multiple times over the same like objectively unethical issue and you're still like you know what I think I'll write a book with the most famous athlete in the world right now well no that's an exaggeration that's not one of the most famous athletes yeah still like like you just kept going you just like you saw those like red flags and closed doors and you were like that doesn't mean anything to me because I can't read and you just kept going and you were like I should actually work with more people huh go crawl back under the rock where you came from yeah and like (sighs) even like up until recently like this man cannot avoid being a part of more scandals like eventually he had to stop working with patriots players other than tom brady because he and bill belichick like butted heads too much um in 2018 he again from the wikipedia page it says that he became the subject of inquiries about his association with julian edelman um and edelman's suspension for using performance enhancing drugs which like that's all alleged and you know all deny 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 but at this point wouldn't be surprised um and the last the last thing to talk about here, kind of the last piece of the TB12 empire is these treatment facilities in Massachusetts. They have two mm. of them in Boston and Foxborough. And, you know, this is where like Patriots players get treated. Um, even since pa- since Tom Brady has moved to Florida and is two years with the Buccaneers, like those facilities have still stayed open. And I don't know how intimately Guerrero is involved in like the day-to-day goings-on in these facilities but all of the things that the employees there do are based off of this method that he was integral to developing right and so um Again, from Wikipedia, I'm just reading it off of here. I'm not going to paraphrase. It's a podcast. Come on. (laughs) It says, uh, Dr. Jessica Flynn, a specialist in sports medicine at the Leahy Hospital and Medical Center, criticized Guerrero's practices in 2017, saying that although she truly believes, quote, there is a lot of good going on at TB12, unquote, she is troubled that Guerrero has implied that doctors don't really care about the functional outcomes for their athletic patients. In an otherwise positive account of one writer's experience, Guerrero had reportedly told his patient that, quote, your surgeon's number one goal is to protect his surgery site. He doesn't care if you ever run again. He doesn't care if you want to climb Mount Everest, unquote. Moreover, Flynn said that she is concerned that at TB12, they continue to profit from non-proven treatments, supplements, and other therapies And none of those profits seem to be invested in studying their efficacy. She said that, quote, Guerrero functions in a different world than doctors. He doesn't have to prove his therapies work or that they are even safe. And there was a little scandal that went on at TB12 itself. I forget what year it was. Um, But basically, like, they almost got into a little bit of trouble because even though, like, Guerrero is not a licensed physical therapist. What they do mm-hmm. in the TB12 facility, like what he does is supposed to fall under the umbrella of massage of massage. And like, which I guess he okay. has the proper certification for that. 
but what he was actually doing fell more under the umbrella of physical therapy, like what he specifically was doing. And so they almost got into some trouble over Mm. that. And I think now they've remedied that by actually hiring licensed physical therapists to do the work that would fall under the physical therapy umbrella. Um, and he's that's wild that you should hire people to operate within their scope of practice. That's like something I would have never even considered. Right? Who would have thought, but he seems very dedicated to skirting around these kinds of, um, uh, safeguards, which like, I understand that sometimes Mm -hmm. rules become outdated or they can restrict progress in certain ways. And in those situations, the rules should be reevaluated and rewritten. Um, but he seems to be fairly reckless with the way that he continually operates outside of his scope of practice. And like it was said um, in those It certainly seems like a pattern of behavior. Yeah, and he doesn't seem interested in actually proving the efficacy of his um, treatments and his supplements in clinical settings. All of the evidence is testimonial and anecdotal. And that is a red flag. Um, Like I understand, like if you are a college athlete and you feel like your future career is on the line, like you see yourself playing professionally and you're willing to do whatever it takes to get better, you're going to be more willing to engage in unproven practices that you've seen work for other athletes. That makes sense in those isolated situations. But to try to grow this like empire that's trying to sell stuff to everyone, extremely irresponsible. Yeah, you don't get to be both. You don't get to like skirt the rules and shirk authority, but then also try to be an authority without any like scientific backing to your claims. Like science is limited and experience is valuable, but then you don't get to be like, but only my experience is valuable. And actually no one looked too closely at this. Exactly. Yeah. Like if anything, you should be inviting inquiry and being like, look at what we're doing here. I think it's working really well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, and they try to give the appearance like of that. they're doing for anyone who doesn't. Yeah. Pay. And like this study in the MIT media lab, I think is supposed to serve that purpose of being like, look, like there's science involved. We're studying it, but they're not studying the efficacy. Uh, they're studying how much force is he applying with his elbow on Tom Brady's forearm. And like that is, maybe useful information for their internal development of the method, but it's not, it, there needs to be other types of research. They're doing like sports <laughs> stats on this massage technique. They're doing like courtside or like field reporting. Yeah. They're not doing, yeah. Yeah, so it's messy. But <laughs> that is the TB12 method and that is... Alex Guerrero and all of his shady snake oil salesmanness. Um, and I know that like he's been called like Brady's like spiritual advisor and stuff like that. I wasn't really any- able to find anything deeper in that other than I think Tom Brady's religion is football. And so someone who's going to help <laughs> him be really good at football is helping him on a spiritual level. Um, <laughs> sure. But it doesn't seem like he's connected to any greater spiritual movement or culty group. I think he's just Alex. He is himself just a wacky guy who wants to make money and is using his um, his educational background in alternative medicine to trick a bunch of people into buying shit that they don't need. 
mean, it really does seem like the intention. I give a lot of props to the intention in terms of like someone who I would enjoy hearing them reverse engineer how they achieved their sports performance. Someone who has had really excellent career longevity is that's a compelling person to then go and write a book about it. You know, I think that's cool. I think it's cool to talk to, you know, specifically men who are interested in like a very brutal sport about ways that you can be good to your body. I think that's interesting. I think it's cool to look at health from a holistic perspective, especially in terms of, you know, sustaining peak performance for a long time. I think there's a lot of sort of noble stuff that's gone into the interest in this method. And it's just disappointing that there seems to be no method to speak yeah. of. Yeah. Or, or nothing to back up the method other, other than it works yeah, for you Tom hit a Brady. Wall when you're like, because we said so. Yeah. That's not, that's, that is exactly the same as girls who's, sorry, I should say women. I don't mean to be so demeaning. That is the same brand as when influencers are hot and have thin privilege and they're like, and I healed my gut health and lost weight by drinking this supplement. Like Tom Brady is the same yes. thing. It's just maybe a little more divorced from the cult of thinness. And it's more in regards to He's doing the, it doesn't matter how your body looks. It only matters what your body can do, which <laughs> is, is a still direct like quote not from the an book. awesome argument. Are you serious? <laughs> but like that's still, you know, upholding a body hierarchy. Mm -hmm. And more importantly than that, it sounds like he doesn't really know anything special other than invest as much time and money you have into taking care of your body, which Sure. sure. Will that yield you good results? Sure. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. This this whole this whole book is just Tom Brady being an influencer. Um that's literally all it is. Yeah. And uh everything that comes with that, the unsubstantiated claims, the supplements and product placement, um the connection to shady shit like <laughs> it's all the same as all of the other influencers we've talked about just instead of targeting like 20 something women as the primary sales demographic they're targeting our dads uh, and you know what dads are easy to sell to <laughs> well and I think they're also like I get it there's from a marketing perspective, like in that sense, you know, the, the men that have been following Tom Brady's career from the beginning are now middle-aged or older are probably experiencing a lot of the, the aches and pains and disability that often comes with aging and are probably looking for solutions that will help keep their body feeling more capable of living the life that they want to. And so I can see how like feeling your age and then seeing a professional athlete celebrity that you've looked up to for years, um, seemingly defying aging 
and then wanting to do mm-hmm. what they do so that you feel better and your body feels better and your life is better that totally makes sense. Like I understand why someone in that position would be interested in trying out the things in this book, because if they do work, that would be freaking awesome. And I do think that the risk is fairly low with the stuff that's talked about in this book. Um, I think if someone is coming to it, the risk seems mostly monetary. Yeah. It's like, okay, if you already have a history of severe disordered eating and you try to follow all of the dietary restrictions in this book, that probably wouldn't be very great. But I also think that's not most of the people who would be buying this book. And the dietary portion is only one part of it. And if someone, you know, follows those workout exercises and does the pliability stuff, they probably will feel better if they were doing nothing beforehand because they're going from not taking care of themselves to doing something to take care of their body. And I think that's ultimately good. Yeah. If if you can find someone to, you know, press on you for ultimate muscle pump so that you can stay long yeah. and soft and if you're using a vibrating device together, like you probably <laughs> will feel better. That's <sighs> So many wives of uh, Patriots fans are about to see their intimate lives improve <laughs> with the TB12 method. <laughs> and if that's if that's the service, then good for them. Then then yeah, <laughs> so be Brady, it. Eighty for Brady, I say. <laughs> Eighty for Brady. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh! All right. Well, that was All honestly right. a much richer. Uh, deep dive, deeper dive than I thought it was going to be. I am impressed with us. (laughs) It's a rich text. I'm going to go eat some nightshades now. (laughs) I approve. I'm going to probably go eat some processed sugar and Mm. I probably will have some electrolytes later today, actually, but not. Yeah, we are electrolyte. Not TB12 brand and not in every glass (laughs) of water that I drink. That seems a little excessive. Yeah. And go take an underwear selfie. That's the most important. Oh yeah, wait, part. you didn't talk about that. I I I don't think I can. <laughs> <laughs> we'll post about it. Yeah. I'm gonna make some memes, but I have nothing good to say. Memes incoming. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. If you want to support the show, you can do that a few different ways. For free, you can write us a review um, on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Spotify. You can also support us with a little bit of monies if you would like to. Helps us keep the show going and getting better quality, supposedly, over time. Um, So that's Patreon. Yeah, (laughs) patreon.com slash fitliterate pod. Um, and yeah, if you have any stories or questions or just things that you want us to know that are relevant to any of the topics we talk about on the show, you can send us an email, even a long one. We like long emails to we love long emails. Yes. We love mail. Carolyn V and Laura G at gmail.com. I will have that linked in the description. And with that, I think we're going to get going and go eat some lunch. Who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? you got to make a prediction now because we're recording this beforehand and we might release it after. I don't know who I think is going to win, but I'm rooting for the Eagles. Go Birds. Yeah, I'd say me too. 
That seems right. I don't know why, that but I'm right. feeling like I, I've literally never been to Philadelphia, but I'm feeling like strong allegiance to the city of Philly these days. And it's a little bizarre. Maybe it's just because I have so many mutuals that live there and I've been watching a lot yeah. of Always Sunny, but I'm like, my my heart is in Philadelphia right now. <laughs> Yeah, our heart is with you, Philly. May you not burn down, whether the Eagles win or lose. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you in the next one. We love you. Bye. Bye.